What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays, Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Ranch, Joe Johnson's, Ja Rafts, of course. We've got Jays, we've got for days. Josh, how you doing? The fighting John Morants are doing quite well. Dude. First of all, a couple things. So I saw on Twitter today that he that he surpassed Luka Doncic as the second most voted guard by fans in the All-Star race. Oh. Behind Steph Curry. He's like, you know, three million votes behind oh, sure. Steph Curry. Naturally, yeah. But I was looking and I was, you know, looking at this list of fan votes and just being glad that they don't have all of the weight. Because like, like seven hundred thousand votes for Kyrie Irving, like you people are weird. You people are you're, you're really weird, and in, in no way, shape, or form has Luca had a better season, right, or on a better team than John Rant. Now, I am not naive. I understand how these things work, but you people are weird. You, really, like he should not. Kyrie Irving shouldn't have a single vote he to be an be eligible. He shouldn't even be eligible. Exactly. So he is having, they are having quite the the streak here. And all of a sudden Memphis is the most popular team in the NBA, which was when you have a star like jaw, it was always going to get, the team was always going to get a little more popular, but now that they're, you know, as the second youngest roster in the NBA, they are firmly in the four seed and are nipping at the heels of the jazz and for the number three seed. And, unless they really mess up in the second half of the season, because we're basically right at the halfway point of the regular season in the NBA, that the second youngest roster in the league is going to have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And that is a wild thing to uh, to think about this quickly in this sort of new era of the Grizzlies. But yes, go Grizz. Yeah, I, I try not to think about all-star voting too much because it just makes me angry mm-hmm. for that very reason that, I just can't take it. If you're allowed to just vote for whoever you feel like, I can't take it that seriously. Mm-hmm. And it is unfortunate because, I mean, I guess you, right, you have the all-NBA teams. So that is something a little bit different in terms of recognition. But that that's all you've got. Right. But I feel like in other sports, you've got some other kind of – you've got an all-pro team in the NFL, which is the same as the all-NBA teams. At college level, you've got your all-conference teams. It's just, for an individual sport, it is kind of, it is unfortunate. And I guess the other, okay, this is really what I was trying to get at now that I'm putting thoughts together coherently. The thing that matters more in the NBA than anything else is getting to the all-star game. Which is the same thing in Major League Baseball, which made me angry when that one year the Royals fans just elected their entire starting lineup to the all-star game, Mm -hmm. right? That actually means something. Nobody really cares about the pro. So it's a nice recognition or whatever, but it doesn't have the same when you are. It's something for the NFL to put on TV in between the end of the rest of the playoffs and the Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. The NBA, the the NBA all-star game is a, a weekend and a highlight of the season. And when you only have, that many spots where, right, I mean, you know this full well with Mike Conley's career as a Grizzly and never getting there. It's incredibly difficult. And so to have people waste votes on Kyrie Irving is, it just upsets me. So I try not to think about it too much. And and not to mention that there are contracts like that have lots of money at stake. If you make an all-star team or or an an all-NBA team. Yeah, Yeah. there's, there's so much incentive there as well so maybe right like i said there's a reason why the fan vote doesn't have all that much pull i mean there was a that year 2017 maybe where zaza patrullio was leading the because he was playing for the warriors and he was leading the fan vote and then he didn't make the all-star team because nobody was nobody with that wasn't trying to be funny uh and specifically the people with voting power didn't uh didn't vote for him but, but if we're going to do, do stuff like that then the fans don't need to vote that's all right now that we've spent a good five minutes on the all-star process the moral of the story is that john morant is awesome the grizzlies are awesome and it's been an absolute wild 
ride to all of a sudden have the Grizzlies be like legitimate contenders in the Western Conference. Like that is a thing I did not think we were going to be saying at any point this season. However, this is not an NBA podcast. It used to be partially an NBA podcast. It's not anymore. It's a college basketball podcast. So at some point in the next hour, we should probably talk about college basketball. Let's get a 52-minute head start on that and (laughs) dive into it right now. January 13th, you know, we're getting to the point where every, you know, every couple of days on Twitter, I'll see we'll have a bracket 50 days from right now, or we'll have a bracket, um, you know, we'll, you know, 10 weeks from, from right now, we'll be staring at a field of 68. And so we're getting close enough that we can make those corny statements is the point. So therefore I think it is completely fair for us to make a power rankings in in the context of the final four. So what does that mean? Essentially, that means if you, essentially that means we each have 10 teams and in theory, descending order from least least confident to most confident that these teams could get to the final four. So, So one, whatever Josh's number one is, that's the team that right now he is most confident We'll make it to the final four, 10 being the least of this group of 10. But the when 10, we're only right, the 10 teams we are picking right now. Right. Right this second. Uh, do you do you have would you have faith in in the final four being represented by somebody? I, I guess the answer to that question is yes. But if I gave you <laughs> but if I made you put money on it, would you put money on the final four being made up of some variation of the 10 teams that you have. That's my goal. This is one of the things I get too competitive about. And now I really want all final four, all four teams to come from this list of 10. That would be kind of cool. I, my goal is three, four is unrealistic. It's not how the tournament works. Right. My goal is three, but yes, okay. I fully expect I'll be disappointed if it's anything less than two question are all and maybe you don't know off the top of your head and if you don't that's fine are all 10 of your teams in the top 20 at Kempom right now uh, my my initial thought is yes because mine definitely are yes yes off to all 10 so. of my all 10 of mine are in the top 15 at Kempom right now as are mine okay so hopefully we'll probably have all 10 teams the same. Maybe not. There, Maybe there not. could be some variation here. But if if nothing else, uh, we probably won't have the teams in the same order, which will be nice to discuss as we go along. But we'll start at number 10 uh, and move towards one. I think it's not, ob- it's not so completely obvious who one is that we can move that direction and still uh, still have some conversation towards the end. But starting at number 10, Mr. Doring. Which team are you the tenth most confident right this second of making it to the final four? Kansas. Okay. Do you have Kansas in your ten? I do. Oh, okay. Interesting. I... Those issues didn't fix themselves against Iowa State. They would throw the ball away. They looked like a team without a point guard because they're te- now Remy Martin just didn't play in that game, and he's battling the the injury. So that's certainly part of it. Uh, David McCormick was once again, nowhere to be found. Those wings are just ridiculous though. And they're also, st- they're just bad. I mean, it's the same stuff that we were talking about at the panic meeting. They're just bad to- defensively. Mm-hmm. That win reinforced. Oh, now, yes, they came back and they got the win at home against a team that nobody still, I feel like really respects in a game that they should win. Right, they should go undefeated at home. Maybe lose to Baylor. Maybe, but ultimately they're on this list for me because a the talent level is still incredibly high, and b Bill Self is as good as any coach in the country at fixing this stuff in the middle of the season and completely changing the narrative surrounding his team. Mm-hmm. Which is where when we're talking about most likely to get to a Final Four teams, I want to say I was sort of in their corner. We've seen this story before and these dramatic turnarounds. And it's not like they're bad, right? They are much better than last season, even with mm-hmm. all the issues they have, mm-hmm. because they have 
you know, three borderline All-Americans on the wing. Maybe that's a little extreme. Obagi certainly is one. And Christian if Brown not three, All-Big all 12. Right, at least big, All-Big 12 guys. Yeah, yeah. Which is saying something in that conference. So th- that's ultimately, I couldn't leave him off this list because I believe if it clicks, you know, I was really high on them coming into the season. I said they have all the pieces and check all the boxes. We've talked about that too. I'm just not going to give up on these issues being fixed enough to make the final. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And it helps when you have one of the best five players in the country. I um, They're on my list as well. They are higher up on my list than you have them. That surprises me. By one spot. Oh, and oh. they are ninth. Oh, I thought okay. I thought because you were hiding it, they were higher than ninth. Okay, okay. No, no, I was just I was just trying to get your um oh, you I was just trying me. to get you I was just trying to get your, your wheels turning about it. Um no, I think I'm gonna have somebody at 10 that I think might surprise you considering what they've done in the last seven days. Um and Texas Tech is 10th on my list. Oh, this is fun because we got them flipped. Okay. Um here I'm gonna be very transparent with you. Um, there are a group of teams that are in the top 20 at Kempom in both offensive and defensive efficiency. That group is at the top of my list in some order. And the teams that are at the bottom of this list, in, as respectfully as possible, um, are teams that don't do one thing quite as well as I'd like them to do it. Texas Tech is plenty good defensively right but they also have lost games this season in which they failed to score 56 points where they failed to score 48 points and they beat Baylor on a night where they were able to thanks in large part to their defense um but they they got 65 points and they managed to leave Waco with a win which I think is arguably the most impressive part of that victory is that they went to Waco only scored 65 and still won um they're 53rd in offensive efficiency, and we talk about a team in Tennessee that we kind of feel like we're, we're not all that confident in their offensive abilities. Tennessee's 58th. So from an efficiency perspective, that team and Tennessee are not all that, all that different. Now, do I have more faith in Texas Tech? Absolutely. That's why they're on my list, and Tennessee isn't. But they are, they've got three losses this year, and all three of them, were against NCAA tournament teams in which they sc- failed to really score the ball in any real way whatsoever. Um, so as a result, there are other teams on this list, and that's why Kansas is – because Kansas is not incredible on defense, but like still a top 40 Kempom defense and a top five Kempom, Kempom offense. And when you have the talent that they do – uh, they're just going to be a little bit higher on this list. I feel like this, w- I, I wouldn't feel like I needed to defend this quite as much. Not that you're putting pressure on me, but if we were doing this seven days ago and I had Texas tech 10th on my list, well, I wouldn't, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have, yeah. te- have Texas yeah. tech 10th on my list. So I am a really big fan of what Mark Adams is doing. I think there's a really fun conversation to start having relatively soon about if Texas tech actually lost by losing Chris Beard. Maybe Texas didn't is it maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be that one school is a winner and one school is a loser. Yep. But maybe Texas Tech just didn't lose with losing Chris Beard and, and Mark Adams is gonna continue to do a phenomenal job. Since January 8th, they've beaten Kansas and Baylor. So right now they're doing pretty good. I, I, I really like the Red Raiders. They are, but like I said, when I am picking teams to go all the way through a 68 team bracket. Um, I want teams that are a little bit more versatile in terms of how they win uh, games against good teams. And right now, Texas Tech does it in a very specific way. It's they score just enough and they don't let the other team score very much. And that leaves uh, not a ton of margin for error. Um, Ask the University of Virginia about that. Um, But uh, they are 10th. I'm really impressed by them. Um, And them being on my list would have been a change from seven days ago, which is a, um, I guess, you know, respect to, to the Red Raiders. 
And this is the first part for me where I will once again emphasize that the words final four and not national championship carry great significance to me. Sure. Because if this was, if this was championship, I would have these teams play and probably Texas tech wouldn't be in my top 10. Interesting. The difference between four and six. Could you venture a guess as to who you might put on the list instead? Do you have, if not, it's fine, but because in theory, if they're not here, then you would have to add a team. Somebody else. Yeah. No, that's a fair question. Not to put you on the spot and feel free to move on, but I was just, I, I was curious if you might've had somebody, somebody in mind. The two, the next two teams that I left off this list that probably one of them would have made it are Arizona and Illinois. Okay. Ooh, I have one of those teams on my list. I figured you probably did. So, so that means that we don't have that you have a different team on your list, and I'm curious as to who. Anyways, so we're so, lo- we're, we're we're in alternating lockstep here at ten yes. and nine. Yes, I'm somewhat a prisoner of the moment, but there's no doubt in my mind that what Texas Tech is doing is real. They played that stretch and very nearly came out of it without a loss because if they could have hit the broad side of a barn, they would have beat Iowa State too. And they did. Which might exactly be my point. Right, right. They had one of those games. Yes. They did it by and large without their two best players. And and that least, is and that is certainly fair. At least, I mean, Karen Shannon didn't play and Kevin McCuller was some – depleted version of himself because he's still working back from mm-hmm. his his absence so the reason that i was willing to buy into this and why i had i was sure from the get-go i was going to have him ahead of kansas is because a again i want the defensive team first even if they struggle scoring and b it's because the combination of a healthy terrence shannon and a healthy kevin mcculler with what we're seeing from Clarence Nadolny, Bryson Williams, Adonis Arms, all of these guys who all of a sudden started taking down top teams without their go-to scorers. If those guys can continue to play this way with those additions back, to me, you're talking about something different offensively. That's why I'm willing to buy into them. And I, and they've done it before. They have done it this way before. Did they win the national championship? No. Did they get to the final four? Yes. To me, this team is so, and of course it was going to be because it's a Chris Beard slash Mark Adams coach team, right? But they're a spinning image of that team that made the national championship and very nearly won. Spitting image. The 15 seconds I'll use as pushback is that they were healthy on December 2nd when they needed 45 minutes of game time to score 57 points yeah. against Tennessee. I, I, so, but I would also... Yes. I would also go to bat for what you said by saying that the role players were playing are playing at a different level than they were on December yes. 7th. To me, so to, to me, I'm just disregarding the first half of the season, the, you know, the first quarter of the season, just new coach, figuring out new roles, new, some new players coming in. I, to me, this is who Texas Tech is. So sure. that's And I'm I will going. tell you that who Texas Tech is, is a team that doesn't score enough to win a national championship. And I concur with you. All right. Who's eighth on your list? This might be the team that you don't have. Okay. LSU. I do not have LSU for that exact reason. For the reason that we just finished talking about. Right. These teams are lower on my list for that reason. They do, again, I love the fact that they generate offense off of their defense. To me, they score enough and have enough talent to get to the, to win the games they need to, to get to a final four. The reason I don't have them higher is they've played one team that really is a Final Four caliber team that is much higher on my list. And I'm sure they're way up there on yours too. And they lost by 15. They they still haven't proven that they can go toe-to-toe and score enough points against the best of the best, which is what you have to do to get from a Final Four to a national championship. Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of faith in their ability to go beat the teams they're supposed to to get into an Elite Eight situation where it's one game and all of a sudden – you're in the final four. That part I feel very confident in, which is why they're on my list. I just couldn't put them any higher because, right, one bad shooting night when somebody does something offensively against you and LSU is gone. Yeah, this is about as simple as, you know, there are other teams here 
that are either a more balanced b i like the makeup of their team a little bit better um i will say that and we talked about this on monday that the way they play defense helps me a little the lsu is probably 11th on my list they were very close to, to making it um and the fact that they turn the ball over and play good defense you know that they play good positional and good against field goal percentage for lack of a more concise way to put it and also turn the ball over is helpful uh but they just at the end of the day they're pretty uninspiring offensively and that is just when i'm when i'm talking about when we're talking about you know hypotheticals here um i find it i mean Apart from a game against Lipscomb, I mean, like only 66 against Louisiana Tech, their 55-point dud against Auburn, 65 against Kentucky. They did put up 79 against Tennessee. Like, if they're going to find a way to put up 79, then they can absolutely get to the Final Four. Only 64 against Florida, who I'm not a huge fan of either. Um, So that's why they were just off my list. Um, And also, I... There's also probably a little bit of... I don't like Will Wade bias, and I also haven't seen Will Wade do it um, to the extent of getting all the way to a Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas Tech has a coach that was part of going to a Final Four. Kansas yep. has a coach who has national championships. And the team that's eighth on my list uh, is led by a coach that uh, that uh, I feel like it's really impressive that he hasn't make it, made it to a Final Four yet. Oh, okay. So – um in in terms of the back end of my list so that's um, purdue that's correct purdue is eighth on my list because i the way they play offense if you get the right two weeks then yeah absolutely they're they're in the final four um but that's about as high as as i feel like i can go right now and if something changes there um then then i'll reconsider but and it's when they don't shoot it well, they're they're either losing to the good teams or they're barely beating the good teams. Um, 70-68 against Rutgers, that's a loss. They needed overtime to beat NC State on a neutral. They lose at home to Wisconsin, and they only beat Penn State by seven. All of these are on nights that they weren't clicking on all cylinders from uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I am officially in the against some of the better wings and perimeter guys in the country. I'm not sure there's anything Purdue can do about those guys right now. And I don't have a ton of confidence past this seven, eight sort of slot to, uh, to put them up there. And I, to, for what it's worth, I'm shocked that we're having this conversation on January 13th and they are not first, second, third. Yep. And, and I'm shocked that it's, and I'm even more shocked that they're not particularly close because I really thought that that they would and if anything they've they've gone backwards defensively so far this year and that's a bit surprising and uh did not think a month ago that I, we would do this and I'd have them had I would have seven other teams ahead of them I have them seventh okay and that was literally the first thing I wrote down is never thought they would be this low didn't think this was going to be part of the conversation, but you just can't ignore how shaky they've been. It's gone on for too long. Even the, you know, Penn state. Yeah, they won. They didn't look particularly great doing it. And the reason I was willing to go as high as seventh is you can get to the final four without playing great defense. Is it difficult? Yes. Does it leave you susceptible? Sure. Which is why I don't have them higher. But you, right, you could get into a situation where Purdue is simply just that much better than every team that they play to get to a Final Four. You, you get an upset, so you're playing a five seed in the Elite Eight or whatever. Sure. You should win your Sweet 16 game because you're Purdue, and they find a way to do it. Or they get one really good defense. The one good defensive performance they need, they show up that night. Right. Again, difference between final four and national championship because i would not have them seventh on national championship they would be lower but i i still trust this team 
And that was kind of the, there were seven teams I knew I wanted to put in there. And then I kind of had to start doing some thinking about how I wanted to round out the bottom of my list. But these seven teams, I pretty quickly came up with, and it was just a matter of ordering them. And from this point on, I'm starting to use most of the logic that you did about balance and how Kempom feels about these teams. So do you, so you have LSU at eight, correct? Okay. So you've got, so we've done 10 through seven for you now. Correct. Okay. So now we're waiting on my number seven. Can I guess who it is? Sure. Arizona. That's correct. Uh, Arizona. Uh, 12 and one top 16 in both offensive and defensive efficiency uh, at Kempom at the moment, their lone loss on the road against Tennessee. And while I, I actually, and I actually kind of came away from that thinking that Arizona was going to be fine against really good teams the rest of the way, because they got hit in the mouth really hard at the beginning of that game and won the second half by nine and right, I mean, they didn't deserve to win that game when you spot Tennessee 13 points at the beginning like they did, and you're down 22-9 through 10 minutes. But I still came away thinking that, yeah, they got hit in the mouth early by probably the best team they played up to that point. You know, you've got some good – some other high major wins, whether it's Illinois, Michigan, um, play Wichita State in there who – I mean, that that's the win that – continues to get worse they've been pretty abysmal in the in the AAC so far but a couple things uh if I'm gonna be a Mark Adams believer from a has been there as an assistant coach guy then I have to be a believer in Tommy Lloyd I think Tommy Lloyd might be I'm not putting a whole lot of people ahead of Tommy Lloyd when it comes to coach of the year so far um i think he's done a phenomenal job there in his first season and the other part of this is that i think that that benedict mathurin has played like one of the best players in the country so far this season and you know what i you know how i feel about having a guy on your team that uh, has the ability to be the best player on the floor and uh, when you combine those two things, they play, they play fast, they play defense, they score well, they shoot well, they, they shoot three pointers fine, they, but they're efficient pretty much everywhere else. Um, and they share the ball really, really well. So all of those things, uh, I think they're a tough team to handle and they're really well coached. So they are seventh for me. And there, there aren't a lot of guards that are like that this year, mm-hmm. right? It's some, it's some wings a lot of wings right it's a Baji, it's johnny davis and benedict matherin is certainly not a traditional six foot point guard mm-hmm. but he is i mean he is the guy in terms of a a guard that you want to right to, to sort of fall in line with your philosophy of i want my best player to be the one with the ball in their hands making those plays he's as good as anybody in the country they certainly have that going for him you said the thing, which is the reason I kept him off my list. That okay, so maybe Illinois is the best win. Illinois or Tennessee, and Illinois is still not completely healthy. And Tennessee, I just can only give you so much credit for beating Tennessee. I and this is one of the reasons I'm really happy we're doing this today, is because the last couple of days we've gotten some really good data points. Mm-hmm on teams that influenced or reinforced my thoughts and the way that I shaped this list. We don't have them with Arizona because they haven't been playing in their, right. Their marquee game got postponed. I just, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they made the final four, they would be 11th on my list, probably 11th or 12th. Like I said, them or Illinois. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the ability to win it all, they're certainly in the top 10 for me. It's just a group of players that hasn't been there before with a coach and the, the one difference I will say is that Mark Adams still has that same program. Right? Sure. No, and that's that's an indisputable point. Yeah. Now it's a very small point I would make in his favor. I'm with you that I don't have concerns about Tommy Tommy Lloyd's ability to get it done. It just might be a little bit of a learning experience of okay, something doesn't go right the first time because he's clearly going to reload and they're going to be really good going forward too. I just 
I want to see a little bit more. And it's not even their fault. They just haven't been able to play the games. But I want to see a little bit more before just the, the Tennessee loss gave me a little bit of pause. And I want to see how they stack up in a Pac-12 that does not look inspiring before I am completely sold their Final Four caliber rather than Sweet 16 Elite Eight caliber. Sure. Who's six on your list? Staying in the Pac-12, UCLA. Hey, that's where I am. We'll see if we're if we sit, we'll see if we remain the same. <laughs> if that's if that's the extent of where we differ, but yeah. uh, the Bruins are sixth on my list as well. Unfortunately, there's not a lot to say about their recent performances. <laughs> no. So I'll keep it generic. They do check every box. They have been there before. They can certainly do it again. My question is still just how good are they relative to other top teams? Sure. And I don't have as much of a question about the other five teams on my list in that regard. And so they, of the six, it was kind of six and then Purdue. And then I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So of the six, they were at the bottom for me just because, again, You know, we're taught we're pointing back to things like the Villanova game at the very beginning of the season. And I would like to see how they have evolved and improved and grown since then. And by the time we get to March, we'll know that. But mm-hmm. right now we just don't because they got shut down for so long. You know, if we were doing this on November 5th, UCLA would probably be second. I mean, we had this conversation about the 10 best teams in yeah. college basketball, and I think UCLA was second on my list. Or at least at some point we had that conversation. Who's your top 10? Who's your, in your rankings? And there are teams on my, the next five teams on my list, I think would present a problem for UCLA. Um, but apart from getting smacked in the mouth by Gonzaga, which in terms of the worst things to happen to your team, that's not exactly all that high up on the list. Lots of people get smacked by Gonzaga. Um I, I, I don't think it would be fair. I don't think it would be fair to double down on them being the second best team in the country, but also I don't think it would be fair to leave them off this list because they haven't played a ton. Like they haven't really done anything. Um, all I know is that they're really not as good as Gonzaga and Gonzaga is going to be plenty high up on this list. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, they haven't done a, a ton to suggest that they're, and they seem to, you know, take care of business for yeah. the most part. I mean, yep. you'd like for them to beat California a little bit better than they did, but it's on the road. It's a Pac-12 game. They still won by eight. Um, it's not like they've been super, super shaky in what we have seen from them recently. Um, so that's a, that's sort of my two cents on where the Bruins are right now, because you're right. I don't really know where the Bruins are right now, but I feel like if we did get to see them play all month, with the schedule that we were supposed to, that I would still have them on this list. So therefore here they are. Yeah. There's nothing that I point to that scares me. Sure. There are things about every team underneath them that scares me. I just don't know if I should be putting them fourth or sixth, basically. That's an astute way to look at it. Thank you. Who's fifth? Duke. Man. Oh, I thought you might have them higher. Okay. Nah. And I was tempted to move them up a couple spots. Towards one or towards 10? To- oh, towards one. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think that's fair to the, to the no. Blue Devils and the magical pixie dust. I, as we talked about Monday, Tuesday, I refuse to put too much stock into the COVID return situation. To me, They are much closer to the team we've seen for most of the season. Mm -hmm. They were so good for so long. And they are, I said it from the very beginning, when they play defense at the highest level, they are a final four team. That's what they look like. And by and large, they've been doing that. Am I slightly concerned because it's Duke and Duke has a tendency to not do what Duke needs to do in the NCAA tournament? Yeah. Do they are they looking more and more like every other Duke team, as you pointed out and we've discussed? Yeah. I just 
I still think that defense is different and it's going to be the difference in the end. Am I completely confident that's going to result in the final four? If I'm picking right now, no. But I feel I feel better about them than the teams behind them. So there are just four teams that have been more either more consistent or I have something particular to point to to say here is why moving forward I expect them to be playing even better and sort of surging toward March where maybe they don't aren't necessarily ahead of Duke at this moment in time but I think they will be by the time we get to the NCAA tournament. Paolo, uh, Wendell Moore, Coach K, last season, good defense, and honestly, they would be right around here if they had if they beat Miami, Florida. And honestly, this is we talked about it. This is what Duke does. They lose games to ACC teams that they probably shouldn't. And as for the last ten years, it's resulted in them not winning this conference. I don't think that'll be the case this year especially hope- after what especially how especially after how miami florida followed up that way right um <laughs> but they but duke responded with going on the road and beating wake forest by 12 like that's wake forest is a respectable team this year uh and on the road in acc play there's not a whole lot of games that really fall under the completely easy category so uh i still got i'm still in duke's corner and um and as of right now, you know, they good top 20, both offensive and defensive efficiency. They don't turn the ball over at all, which was an issue last year. Um, they're seventh in the country in turnover percentage. And so that's pretty good. And they do a lot of things on the offensive end pretty well. They're not elite at really anything, but top 50 in both three point field goal percentage and two point field goal percentage. Um, like you said, if they lock it in, I have even more faith. But uh, as of right now, I'm pretty comfortable with Duke being fifth on this list. Number four. Let's see if we have the same team. I think we have okay. the same four. It's a question of order. What's four? Who's fourth on you? I'm going to be I, – I will have questions if – never mind. That's not That's not fair. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd be really shocked if we don't have the same four because that means you don't have one of these teams on your list, and that would be wild to me. But um, we'll see if they're in the same order. Four is Villanova. That's correct. Okay. That's just that's the correct answer. I didn't know if it was three or four for you. Uh, it is four. Okay. Uh, my tone has changed on this team multiple times already this season. I went from, to me, they were the winners of the UCLA game, even though they lost, to I don't trust this team at all. And I don't know what's going on. They don't look like Villanova, too. Oh, these dudes look like Villanova again. And quite frankly, it's because guess what? They're playing really good defense right now. Whatever happened in Omaha, just something happened because since then they have been sensational and they just ran the gauntlet of every good team in the big East. And with the exception of Providence, it just beat all of them. They, they beat, they beat Xavier Seton Hall, Creighton, DePaul, Xavier in five straight games, and now they get to play Butler, Marquette, yep. Georgetown, DePaul, St. John's, Marquette, UConn. And UConn's a good team. That's but yeah. but Butler, Marquette, Georgetown, DePaul, St. John's, Marquette, and then St. John's after the UConn game. So like that's the toughest part of their schedule. They've already played it. They're five and one. Right. The, oh, the Big East is over. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna win by multiple. Death taxes and. Yep. And. I still have some the same general concerns of they are so dependent on Colin Gillespie. They are not big. They are not a great three-point shooting team, which separates them from some other Villanova teams of the past. They're weird because I feel like they're in between the good, not great Villanova teams and the national title Villanova teams. <laughs> and Jay Wright hasn't had a lot of those. At least recently. Because, right, it, kind of if they play at this level, usually they just win the whole thing. And I'm not convinced they can do that sitting here on January 13th. But they can absolutely make the Final Four. And I've harped on before the fact that they don't really have NBA guys around Gillespie. But Eric Dixon and Justin Moore are playing terrific basketball right now. 
they this is back to being the well-oiled machine and it kind of fell off the tracks for a little bit but they are very much back on the tracks they're building a tiny bit of depth tiny relative relative to villanova's definition of right depth (laughs) there there are concerns which is why i don't have them higher than fourth but this is this is trending in the direction of we're going to look up and they're going to be a no doubt one seed with a ridiculously good record in the Big East. And you look at right all for all their losses and it's oh they just played top ten teams, top fifteen teams yeah. in the beginning of the season, and that's all that happened. And maybe they lose one game to you know Providence or something in Big East play. I'm sure they'll end up with a couple. I mean, even those really awesome Nova teams had like one right. hiccup that you yep. really weren't expecting them to have. And maybe it was the Creighton one. Maybe that yep. was the hiccup. Yep. Um, but th- there's a world in which we're talking about a 14 and two Nova team with wins against UCLA and Purdue. And that's that, that world's not all that far away. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, and at the very least a 13 and three team with a win over UCLA. Um, it's interesting how like if UCLA didn't have that win and Villanova did yep how different we and now these are still two teams that are in the top six of this list we're talking about right now but I think Villanova almost lost the benefit of the doubt a little bit and UCLA despite not having played in a while and getting smoked by Gonzaga maybe holding on to that benefit of the doubt a little bit more maybe I'm overthinking it but the point being is that we're gonna I think we're gonna get to a point where and the, that their resume is like, oh my gosh, they won so many games and their worst loss is to Creighton on the road. And Omaha is not a fun place to play. It never has been. Um, so I, yeah, they are <laughs> Jay Wright, Colin Gillespie, good defense. The only thing, the only, the only thing that would scare me, scare being a relative term, is if they end up in a bracket where they got to beat like Zach Eady and Kofi Coburn mm-hmm. to make it to the final four, you know, that they end up in a, in a bracket where like the one, two and three seeds in some form or fashion are them Purdue and, or even if like Michigan ends up their six seed. So they have to play Hunter Dickinson, like, like that kind of, that kind of matchup because I will still in, in this is a team we've, that I went to bat for preseason. So it's not like this is something that's changed, but in a year where there are so many good bigs for Jermaine Samuels or, 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 I mean, yeah, Jermaine Samuels to be your most important interior presence or maybe Eric Dixon, be like, but six eight is the tallest guy that you have in a year where there are a lot of guys that are much bigger than that. Um, that would be the only thing, but like, like you said, they're playing good defense, and like, this is like right now, they're outside the top 100 in both three point field goal percentage and two point field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. And I still feel this way about them. Yeah, if there's anything I can that I feel confident about Villanova teams is that by the time we get to March, they're a well oiled offensive machine, and if they're getting above average defense, then they're not going to be somebody that anybody whatsoever wants to play and this was hammered home for me by what they did at xavier i think it was a 17 point lead they blew if i remember correctly i mean they had control of the game and then all of a sudden they didn't Mm -hmm. and they still found a way to pull it out and that was with jermaine samuels not being nowhere near 100 percent and just irrelevant in the game they Mm -hmm. did a good job on zach Fremantle. now zach Fremantle is not kofi coburn in terms of players Mm-hmm. and style of play but they did a great job on him it just that game had such a feeling of great Villanova that we haven't seen very much the past couple of years of right I think Xavier's lost twice at home since the start of last season something like that that's a game you expect to lose even if Villanova's the best team in the conference and it looked like it was falling apart but they never they went right right up to the you know the the waterline, if you will, came close to drowning, but they found a way to continue to to swim and stay afloat and made free throws, and Justin Moore made some big plays down the stretch, and that was that. That I was very curious how that game was going to go when I was thinking about putting this list together, and after that one, I said they can't be any lower. 
Agreed. All right, where do you go third? Auburn. Okay, yeah, that's where I went next. Part of me doesn't like putting them this high, but they've got some things going for them. And well, let's well let's talk about the boxes, right? Yeah. Bruce Pearl, Final Four head coach. <laughs> yeah. Top twenty and, in offensive and defensive and, efficiency, yeah. and and like, and so we checked that box. Um, NBA level talent, and it's you know like, it's pretty indisputable that you need NBA level talent to win national championships, even that's if that's not the entire makeup of your team. It has. It's been a long time since somebody who didn't have any NBA talent won a national championship. Um, they've got that. I, I mean, they've got interior presence with Walker Kessler, and oh, by the by, Jabari Smith might be the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Um, I'm curious what your hesitations are, um, because right on the surface, it's what could the hesitation possibly be? And yeah. That's not a, that's not a challenge. I'm I'm just curious because the 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 bullet points if you will are are pretty sexy yeah and and ultimately i couldn't i couldn't bring myself to put him any lower than third because Mm -hmm. i think it's just the two teams behind them are named villanova and duke sure (laughs) and their name is auburn to be quite frank which is completely unfair and i'm all in on this Auburn team i have been for a little while now just and part of it is being in the SEC and want to see him do it for a little bit longer, but I'm, I'm with you. It's why I have him third. And the other thing, they probably have been the most consistent team in the country. Maybe Baylor a little bit more, right? They don't have that head scratching loss or that game where just weird things happened and they lost by 12. Mm-hmm. they don't have that they show up every single night and went on the road against teams that they're better than but are really good like they just did and right then you've got the the actual makeup of this roster which maybe that's also part of it too is that it's not guard centric but jabari smith is also not your average big right he is not he's not walker kessler in the sense that, and I'm just using Walker Kessler as a prototype for this kind of player. Kofi Coburn falls into the same category, right? Where if your point guard doesn't make good decisions, that player doesn't get the ball. Jabari Smith can make things happen for himself. He has no problem doing that, just like Paolo and those kind of guys. So that's very helpful in terms of easing the concern about not having terrific guard play. And it's not like their guards are bad. And as I've mentioned before, their guards have that really valuable thing which is microwave scoring that got into a final four before they have some of that in them. They're just not as crucial of a part because there was no Jabari Smith on that team. Right. And so you had a crazy good backcourt right. for that team. Instead you have the, maybe the second best front court in the country this year. Yeah. Just a different makeup. Right. And here's the terrifying thing for everybody else, right? That was a really good three point shooting team. This team is 135th in the country in three-point field goal percentage. But they shoot 26 threes a game. They make nine of them. What happens if they start shooting the ball? <laughs> you, you don't really have a chance. That's the one, right? They're not a terrible shooting team, but they're a decent shooting team that shoots a lot of threes. They're kind of like Villanova in that sense this year. Mm-hmm. And it's just not mattering. Right. If they... If they st- Right, if they all of a sudden get hot in March, it's going to be almost impossible to beat them because, right, they have the star, they have the interior presence, they have the coach, they have the defense. They're better than almost everybody else already. And the thing that has sort of defined Bruce Pearl's teams, they're not particularly great at. And yet here they are. <laughs> I, I, I'm sold and uh, was pretty. I was pretty, pretty much immediately, like I had probably seven, eight-ish teams pretty much immediately. It's like, okay, I was going to round out the list. And I pretty much immediately had these, had these three teams uh, at the top of this list pretty quickly as well. I'm uh, pretty sold on the Tigers, about as sold as I can be. Do we have the same order for the top two? and, and, And it's wild. Like, 
how how close Auburn is to being the only undefeated team left. Yeah. Yep. I mean, a neutral a neutral site loss that took you know fifty minutes worth of game time uh, and a loss to UConn. Like they're closer to being undefeated than Baylor is at this point. Yeah, that right. That's what I'm saying. They have arguably been the most consistent team in the country. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Gonzaga and Baylor left. Do we? Do you stop it? <laughs> I mean, we're going to, I mean, the, the podcast is not going to see the light of day because I can't, I can't let you be telling people that you don't have Gonzaga on this list or Baylor. Oh my gosh. That would be even more shocking. Um, Gonzaga and Baylor are left. I think, well, fine. I won't speak for you. I've got Gonzaga and Baylor left. I, I will let too. you, I will let you voice whether or not you do. Um, my order is Gonzaga two, Baylor one. That's what I have as well. Is that what you have as well? Okay. Yes. Uh, give me your either put them in conversation. Give me your rationale for Gonzaga at two. Why are on you on January 13th still uh, a bigger believer in the Bears than you are in in the Bulldogs? Well, first, it's funny how everybody kind of freaked out about Gonzaga, and yet here they are, you know, right there, number two in the country with a top two offense and a top 11 defense. It's it's what happens when you it's all relative it is so relative it's crazy and it's also just like a bit of fatigue people are probably tired of talking about gonzaga so they were looking for a reason to kind of write them off um is this gonzaga team as good as the one last year No, no but i mean we just talked about texas tech texas tech has beaten kansas and baylor in the same 96 hours guess who has a 14 point win over texas tech gonzaga I mean, that's, you know, we're still talking about a very, very good basketball team. And, and part of it was also like, they haven't played, they played Texas tech on December 18th. They haven't played a top 240 Kempom team since then. <laughs> that'll change um, tonight. That'll change tonight against BYU. Um, then they'll play Santa Clara. Um, and really we're just sitting around. It is so unfair that we don't get to see them play San Francisco twice this year. Why don't they play San Francisco twice? Did it get canceled? Yeah, I'm gonna be honestly aware that it, I'm gonna be honest and say I wasn't aware they didn't play San Francisco twice. Unless um, Maybe no, they did. they're only on their they're only on the schedule once. Was that one of the games they got postponed? I, it must have been. It very well may have been. We're gonna find out here. But I'll I'll say things while uh, while you correct that up. postponed. They were supposed to play on January sixth. Okay. So rest that assured, they will get two San Franciscos. There must have been no there there must have been no buildup whatsoever for that. Like it was just sort of a foregone conclusion that yeah, it was going to. Yeah, that was canceled. in the middle of the of yeah. the postponement stretch. So yeah. Um, so I'm glad we'll get that. I was I was like, wait a second. I thought that was a double round robin thing. Um. Anyways. Um, Dave, right. You have the loss to Duke. You have the loss to Alabama. That one's a little bit more like, really, you guys lost to Alabama. Um, but also kind, it's Alabama kind of, shooting the ball well. So, right. Right. Um, but they've taken care of business against bad teams since then. And right. We don't, there's a reason that this team was the consensus number one team in the country all off season. You have the best front court in the country with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. You know, poor Drew Timmy. There was nothing he was going to be able to do this year other than being, like, historically good for him to impress people this year just because of how good he was last year. Um, But you've still got Mark Few, right? Drew Timmy is averaging 17-6 and and 2.5. Chet Holmgren averaging 13.5, and and 8.5, and 2. You're – you've got some, you, you know, you've got wing production this year, like you did last year, maybe not to the efficiency standard that you did last year, but Julian Strother and Rasir Bolton, both averaging double figures. Andrew Nimhard is, is still your guy. And, um, you know, the thing that we talked about that was that, you know, when you get down to it, probably the difference, the, the biggest difference between last year's team and this year's team is that it's taken, the freshmen, especially Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas, to get going a little bit. Um, but this is still a very, very good team that I have a lot of faith in being able to win four straight games in the tournament. Yeah. I'm just going to pick them basically every year until there's a reason not to, mm-hmm. especially after last year with Drew Timmy coming back. Mm-hmm. And, right, it just 
they had some losses early because they played a brutal schedule and they just don't look so bad after what what's happening to everybody else now that they're playing good teams every single game it's mm-hmm. kind of just the inverse Gonzaga plays their quote-unquote conference schedule first and then they're not conference schedule mm-hmm. so I'm not worried about that they're just going to get better because they're young as to why I have Baylor first I like their defense better mm-hmm. and I trust their guards more. That is all. Not sure there's a, I'm not sure there's a whole lot more that needs to be said. And there's also, and now Gonzaga has this too, but the, right. Both of these teams have the benefit of guys who have done this before. They're all in different roles now for the most part, except for Timmy, mm. but there are plenty of guys on both these teams that had the experience from last year and also some new guys that didn't get to ex- be part of that team and had that as part of their legacy. So they've got kind of, kind of this old blood, new blood thing going, which is cool. And yeah, you know, there were some questions about James Akinjo, but between him and LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler, those are guys who can make plays and can score the ball. And Gonzaga has guys that do one or the other, but not really both. Now, they have Drew Timmy. Baylor does not have Drew Timmy. But I just don't have concerns about Baylor on offense, just like I didn't have concerns about Baylor last year on offense, and their defense is elite. Do I think they're going to repeat? Honestly, no. I'm not even convinced they're actually the best team in the country. But they are too consistent game in and game out for me to doubt their ability to get to the final four. I would be stunned if at least one of these two teams doesn't make it. And if I had to pick, they're both making it. I don't have a ton, I don't have a ton more to add there. Um, just like they were gonna lose at some point in the Big 12 last year, they were gonna lose at some point in the Big 12 this year. Um now it was earlier than it was last year it was at home and it wasn't at home last year right the only game that they lost last year was when they got beat by kansas pretty pretty good uh in late february so it was a little earlier and it was at home this time but they were gonna lose at some point and yeah they're they're really consistent i love their guard play their defense is a machine at this point and uh, and when Scott Drew's on your sideline, then uh, you're always in a pretty good spot as far as I'm concerned. And I am pretty convinced at this point that they are not particularly close to last year's team. No, I don't think I, – I would agree with that. I, I had – I couldn't find reasons to not be – I couldn't find reasons to be skeptical about Bear last year. I could point right. to reasons this right. year. right. And they still but, very well may end up being the best team in the country even if they don't win the national championship, which is remarkable. But, but we're, we're talking about a different level across the board this year. It's just not – those two teams don't exist like they did right. last year. It's much is, more open. This is still the team that has beat – that beat Stanford by 40, that beat, that beat VCU, that beat Michigan State by 20 a team that just continues to get better, or at least a team that has that's gotten better since that game. Uh, Villanova, they beat by 21. Oregon, they beat. Iowa State, they beat. Oklahoma, they beat. Like They've done way too much work so far for them losing to Texas Tech, um, resulting in them giving up this spot on my list. How many we should – well, first of all, I think we need to do it. I'm just going to throw it up. We need to do a debrief pod after the national championship with our fantasy teams and also this list. Okay. I'm in, but how many, if you're going to pick today, how many of these 10 teams are going to be in the final four? I think the over under is two and a half because that's how the sport works. I'm pretty like, I would be really, really surprised if two of these teams don't end up there. Even in the weirdest of years, when it comes to the Final Four, there are still two teams that you're like, yep, those two teams right. I kind of felt like were gonna had a chance to be there all year. It'll be Villanova and Duke if it's not Baylor and Gonzaga. Right. So conservatively, I'll go with two. 
mostly because even though these two 10 teams are on this list, I mean, like there just aren't teams this year that I feel like are so far head and shoulders above other teams. And that's that like Baylor and Gonzaga were so far ahead of other teams last year, as far as I'm concerned. And, and that just doesn't quite seem to be like, I, like I was like I was going to be stunned if those two teams didn't make the final four last year. Genuinely stunned, and I wouldn't I be stunned be this cheated. year. And I and I wasn't and and I, and I wasn't um and I wouldn't be stunned this year. So I I guess I'll I'll go with two. But like you know we left teams off this list like Kentucky. Like Kentucky is top twenty five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. It's weird. Houston keeps getting better at Kempom, even though I've kind of written them off because they <laughs> lost Marcus Sasser. Right. Like every time I look up, they're a little close. Like they're third at Kempom now. Yeah but I don't really care to be honest with you. Yep. Um, but there, there are a lot of teams here that are, that are really quality. Um, so, but I'll, I'll go with two. Okay. So you're not, you're not feeling it. Mostly because I just know how the tournament works. Right. Cause there's, there's absolutely a world in which it's Kentucky here, and Michigan state. Or here, I'll put, I'll put it this way. If you ask me to fill, if you ask me to fill it on Selection Sunday when I fill out a bracket, I I think that even on Selection Sunday my bracket will finish with a Final Four that all that is represented in this list of ten teams. Interesting. That, that okay. I would be comfortable that I would be comfortable with picking four teams yep. from this list of ten on Selection Sunday to fill my final four. I do think I would be comfortable okay. with that even, uh, you know, a, yeah. a month and a half from now. Um, I guess that's the best I can do for okay. you. I don't, I don't think three will get there. I mean, I don't think four are going to get there no. and you'd be doing really well for three to get there, yeah, but, but I would be surprised if I feel better about enough teams that my final four doesn't come from from these 10 at least in the bracket filling out portion of of the month of march okay that's absolutely fair thank you you got anything else i'm happy clay thompson's back i wanted to mention that in another pod yeah. just forgot yeah just makes the world a better place yeah i'm even happier that he came to memphis and left with an l that was yeah, I guess we, we got I, Grizzlies I, on both ends of the front and back end I, of the I, pod. Way I, to I go! Apolo- I apologize, Clay. That was <laughs> that was uncalled for. Um, but you know who the who the um, Warriors have tonight, right? They have the Bucks and Pfizer Forum. So that's mm. a good one for you. That's about the only good one. The Grizzlies are set to mop the floor with the Timberwolves, um, who are playing better basketball. Yeah, but you know, twenty five hundred Minnesota must be thrilled. That we're 500 right now. Anyways, I've done enough rambling. Go, Grizz. You got anything else? Trade Ben Simmons, please. I'll throw that out there. Yeah, okay. All right. I recommend not holding your breath on that that's, one. That's why I wanted to make the PSA. All righty. All righty. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you locked in for that one. But uh, please don't hold your breath. because I'll call Daryl as soon as we're done. <laughs> Last thing, live update to Paul beating Seton Hall 52 to 35 at halftime. That's a lot of points. That is – I mean, Freeman Liberty must have 20. I'm going to look. I'm going to give you a live. I'm going to give you a live update right now. Here we go. We got Wisconsin, Ohio State tonight. That's kind of yep. lit. Not that all yep. of this, any of this matters since like most of the games will, you know, these games will be done. <laughs> uh, Freeman Liberty has 12. They are four of 14 from the, from the three point line. Four of 14. They, they went to the line 15 times and made 14 of them. Okay. So Seton Hall can't keep their hands off of anybody. And Seton Hall going 12 of 32 from the field is uh, is kind of – it's been a, a – a, a, there have been 27 free throws already. 27. <laughs> clearly, clearly the flow is is not great, but no. – um, but a development. And, and yeah, what do you know, DePa- But what do you know, DePaul uh, just – just helping add cushion to Villanova's Big East regular. They're just season gonna right. They're just gonna finish it off right here, right now. I guess Providence is still technically standing. 
technically. Shouts to Ed Cooley. Good program, the Friars. Uh, shouts to, oh, to to Tom Morris, the uh, the um, principal of my high school. He was a Providence Friar. Oh. He gave me a lot of crap when I was a senior because he knew I was going to Butler. Anyways. I had no clue where you were going with that whatsoever. Yes, Tom Morris, Mr. Morris. Hope he's doing well. That's all I've got. We're done rambling. Please subscribe to Jays for Days podcast now, podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. Check out the Podbean if you do, if you wouldn't mind. And we'll be back on Monday. Um, should talk about whatever there is to talk about. We'll figure it out in the next ninety-six hours or so, and we'll meet back here on Monday. Hold on. One more, one more thing. I forgot. Josh just audibly gasped about whatever he saw on his phone. Hit me with this it. Is- it, it wasn't, it was just sparked by something I saw. I saw somebody tweet, and I wanted to mention this because it's specifically related to college basketball. Mm-hmm. The New York Knicks are now one, one person away from recreating that Duke team. And that person very much appears to want to play an MSG. You're right. Yep. All right. All right, Zion. Sorry, sorry to cut off your, your outro, but I did want to mention that. Okay. Yeah, we need that to happen. He's I mean, getting, like it's gonna happen. It has strikes. to, right? It has it's, to, right? Um you, you would think at this point they're doing they're doing everything they can. Now they're still the Knicks, but yeah, and then they'll overpay for a guy that probably that, that like if you told me he would never play a full season in this entire NBA career, that I would be surprised exactly zero percent. Right. Now that I've so rudely been interrupted. Please subscribe to the Jays for this podcast. We'll be back on Monday. Meet back here to talk about whatever happened in the sport over the last four days or so. Until then, be kind. Okay, just be kind. And thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for this podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you.